So today we have this letter, third letter of St. John, which is verses 5 through 8. The entire third letter of St. John is just a little bit longer than that. I think it concludes with, there are many things that I want to write to you, but I think we'll just talk about it when I get there. And there is this affirmation that St. John again gives, that you are faithful in all you do for the brothers and sisters, especially for strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. That the beloved disciple speaks these words of affirmation. Right? We pointed that out, too, in, in the other letters, how he begins with these words of affirmation. In affirming, like, you have done these great things. Our Lord has done these things in you. And he's able to speak freely these words of affirmation. So if you've done a love language survey, you know, like one of the five love languages is words of affirmation. And then sometimes we use our love language survey to excuse the fact that we don't use words of affirmation. Right? I am service. I don't need to tell you that you're amazing. I am service. I took out the trash. That means you're amazing. But words of affirmation, like, they are important for us to bestow on people. And all of those surveys and things like that, they're good. But they're never really meant to be taken as, like, rigid. You know, as rigid. Like, if we do the five love language survey and we find out we're super strong on service and nothing else, like, that just means that we have some work to do in other areas. If you do a temperament test and you find out that you're, like, a really strong choleric, it doesn't give you permission to be a jerk. It just means there's work to do in other areas. And the words of affirmation that St. John speaks come from the affirmation that he's received. They come from the affirmation that he's received. Because he knows who he is in our Lord, he's able to speak freely, blessing into other people's lives. Because he knows that it's not that he has loved God, but that God has loved him. He's able to speak words of love and affirmation to those that are under his charge. And so, again, like it points us back to being rooted in what our Lord has done for us. Being rooted in what our Lord has done for us. Being rooted in our faith that God is good. That Jesus entered into the world to free us. And to save us. And in our gospel reading, our Lord tells this parable of the persistent widow. 
right? Where our Lord uses like sort of the most mundane example that he can think of that's just like a very worldly example of this judge who basically says, I have no respect for God or any human being, but I want this lady to quit bothering me or she's going to come and punch me in the face. So I'm going to answer her so she doesn't come and strike me. Right, which is kind of a funny like, image. I just imagine this like old Hebrew woman with a cane or something, and she's just like going to whack him if he doesn't render a just judgment for her. But she goes and asks over and over and over again. And, and so, too, for ourselves, like we're called to go to our Lord and ask over and over and over again. Right, to continue to ask him for what we need. And to continue to pray for what we need. Because our Lord wants to give that to us. And the fact that he tells us to be persistent means that it doesn't always come on our timeline. It doesn't always come exactly when we think it's going to come. But it's also in that perspective of encouragement that we don't become discouraged and sort of give up on our prayer. Many young people, they want to give up on their prayer because they become discouraged because Jesus isn't Google. You know, like we have these expectations and sometimes we scapegoat millennials and like Generation Z we scapegoat them and we say, oh, they just think everything should happen, you know, on their own time. We do too. Like, we do too. I was just trying to order coffee and my credit card wouldn't go through in the app and I was like really getting frustrated. I'm like, what the heck? I need my coffee by Tuesday. Instead of like going to a store or something. And we can do the same thing because we've become accustomed to having what we want when we want it instead of going to our Lord and being persistent. And going to him again and again and again and again. And some people will say, like, well, I've done that and it doesn't work. Well, I don't really know what that means. I know people who have said, I tried that and it didn't work. And they tried to like, you know, say one prayer one time and then something bad happened the next day. Or maybe it was like a few weeks and then something bad happened the next day. What the church is going through right now, like there's this huge disappointment in church leadership and people are like, well, the church doesn't work. I was talking to a priest friend of mine yesterday and and I forget, he was reading an article or something, and, and it was just about having empathy for the Reformation. Which is interesting, right? But it means that, like, in the frustration of the fact that it doesn't seem that things are happening the way they should be happening, and why is this getting held up, and the bishops were going to make a decision, and then the Pope said, wait a minute, and, like, this is too frustrating, and it needs to be fixed, and so why can't we just fix it ourselves? Sounds kind of like the Reformation. And what happened when there was a lack of 
patience and persistence. And going to our Lord again and again and again and again. And continuing to ask him to do what he is going to do. Because our Lord will resolve all things. And he can resolve all things. But we have to be willing to go to him. And continue to go to him. And we have to be kind of stubborn about this in our own lives. You know, like one of the lines I use a lot is to be stubborn about having joy. And to be stubborn about having joy. Like, I know this is possible because our Lord has revealed it. Therefore, like, I'm going to stick it out because I know that what our Lord has said is true. I'm not experiencing it as true right now, but I know it's true, and so I'm going to be stubborn about sticking it out until I get to experience this thing called joy. In my own experience, that actually happens. And it usually happens right after we almost give up. At least in my own experience, it has happened right after I almost gave up. Because persistence in our prayer, it helps us to surrender our hearts completely. It helps us to surrender our hearts completely. You know, like some of the addiction recovery meetings that I've been in, there are people who, like, they keep relapsing and relapsing and relapsing and relapsing. And they keep coming and asking for help and coming and asking for help and coming for asking and for help. And the hope is that eventually the continual process of coming and asking for help is going to break through. And they're going to realize, ah, I want to live differently. And so our Lord gives us this model of the persistent widow who continues to go over and over and over again. It's interesting that he follows up with saying, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will you be willing to be that persistent? Will you be willing to be that persistent? To stick with him when it seems like things aren't working out. Will you be willing to go to him also for those things that you think you have control over yourself? Will you be willing to live into the community of the church that he's established and called us to? And one of the ways of doing that, which I didn't draw attention to before, but I will now, is to go to other people and ask them to be the persistent widow on your behalf. You know, do we go to others and ask them to pray for us? You 
And sometimes we do that, and, you know, we're pretty good at saying, yes, I'll pray for you. You know, like, how many times have you examined your conscience and been like, uh, if I have to do purgatory time for all the people I said I would pray for, but I didn't actually pray for, I'm in trouble. <laughs> because I say I'll pray for you a lot, but do I really... And there's a way of getting around that. The way of getting around that is saying, yes, let's pray right now. (laughs) But then we're afraid of that because it seems too Protestant. When I was a cadet at West Point, I remember talking to some of my Protestant friends about, you know, I was struggling. My parents were going through their divorce at the time and all these things are going on. And I was telling them about it. And I think I said, like, okay, so will you pray for me? thinking that they were going to say, yeah, no problem, and then leave. And they were like, okay, (laughs) Father God, we just want to ask you to help. And I was kind of like, whoa, what are you doing? But then there's something kind of beautiful about that at the same time. And the ability to live an integral life, because they said they would pray for me, and they just did it in the spot. And, and there's been this movement in our diocese of, like, praying with people, which is really pretty amazing, actually. You know, one of, the, one of the spiritual gifts that has been bestowed upon our diocese that I think people just, like, maybe aren't paying enough attention to is, like, the spread of healing ministry and, like, unbound ministry and prayer teams and priests are getting together and praying like with each other. I won't name names, but you would be shocked (laughs) about the priests who would get together and just like pray with each other. And, uh, and there's something really beautiful about that. And, and so, so one of the things that we've started to do on retreats is to have prayer teams available on the retreat. Okay. Which really means, like, you're just going and saying, will you be the persistent widow in my life? And it's kind of an act of humility, too. But it goes back to the way I was talking about humility before. It's like asking somebody to do something for you that you're probably capable of doing by yourself. But there's something of an experiential surrender when we actually ask somebody else to do it with us or for us. You know, like I didn't need somebody to help me through the subway system, but I had somebody help me through the subway system. And we can say things like, well, I can just pray on my own. Why do I need a prayer team? Like, why do I need somebody else to pray for me? The answer is probably like, well, technically you don't, but maybe our Lord wants you to. It's like one of those catch-22s that we get into. Like, we don't want to go to, a, go to other people and ask them to pray with us because it seems weird and kind of Protestant. But then our defense is that we don't need other people to pray for us. We can go straight to Jesus, which also sounds Protestant. Ah, <laughs> oh, what happened? And then I don't know that we want to have, go to like this belief system where only dead people can pray for us. <laughs> that seems kind of weird, too. 
And so it's simply just an act of humility. And so I do want to encourage you because there's a bunch of time slots that are open in the afternoon, I think starting at like 12 and people are coming. Um, but it's also an opportunity just to go and say, you know, I really need prayers for, and it, this is how simple it is. Like, what do you want to pray for? I need prayers for my mom who's sick right now. Okay. And they just pray for you and your mom who's sick right now. Or it could be something deeper. I'm going to pray to get over this resentment in my heart, this situation in my family, whatever it is. And then that very act of going and saying, like, this is what I need you for, and that person saying, I'm willing to be here for you in this way, then we're fulfilling that exhortation of St. John when he says to love one another. Right? The way you will know is by your love for one another. And so I just want to encourage you in, in that. And, and also to just understand that as another act of surrendering to our Lord. And opening our hearts in vulnerability, opening our hearts in humility. And allowing the community to be the community. Allowing our community here in our own diocese to be faithful in all they do for the brothers and sisters. Because part of what they do for the brothers and sisters is to hold them in prayer. And so today let us pray that that our hearts continue to be open to our Lord as he invites us into relationship with him. That we continue to allow his light to shine in the darkness of our hearts. Just that we remain open to what our Lord has invited us to on this weekend. That we may know how blessed we are to be called his sons and daughters. <laughs>